impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. As always, thank you for the time, and we promise not to take it for granted. Before we hop into the episode, our first question and our first ask is that you hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy the content that we're creating here, because we really, really want to share and grow this podcast even more so. The best compliment you can give us is by sharing this with a friend that you think can get value from it. And if you are a man looking for a community of other men elevating their capacity in life, we have a mastermind called called The Noble Knights that I would love for you to be a part of. And you can definitely hit the link in the show notes for all those details. Here at Modern Man, we have a vision of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and putting wind in each other's sails. And I'm excited to get some wind in our sails today from our guest, Eric Henman, CrossFit and endurance athlete, two-time Cato Iron Man. I'm pretty sure I might have said that wrong. So you're going to correct me on that. But Branded Bastard and co-founder, just all around from everything I've gathered. Great guy. Eric, thank you for being on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. Did I say that wrong? Kona Ironman in Hawaii? Yeah, no, Kona is correct. Yeah, it's on the big island. Kona is the city that they host the Ironman in. Um, I actually think they're moving it this year or next year. But for Jesus, the last 25 plus years, the world championships have been in Kona. Yeah. And I know you've done more Ironmans than that. So right off the bat, I make sure that our guests, our audience have a moment to get acquainted with each other. So I'd love to give you the floor really quick and kind of let you talk directly to the audience and introduce yourself in your own words, because I find that the guest always does a better job than I do. Yeah. So, you know, people now know me as an athlete, but I feel like I I started as an athlete in my childhood playing three sports in high school, basketball, cross country, and I ran track. And then in college, I got into weightlifting. And then for about seven to nine years, I was building businesses, um, a property and casualty insurance business, and then a software company. And I got pretty out of shape in my early 20s. Um, And then I found Ironman in my late 20s. Um, I started with a sprint distance triathlon and graduated to an Olympic distance and then a half Ironman and then a full Ironman, just (laughs) wanting to see what my uh, potential was. Um, and yeah, became known as uh, as an Ironman athlete in, in the city that I grew up in, Syracuse, New York. And the last five to 10 years have been really helping others build their brands and then also still training at a very high volume, but not so much for competition anymore, much more for mental well-being, physical well-being, emotional well-being. And I've really built my days around health and wellness protocols that um, you know, has allowed to allowed me to posit- positively impact my life. And, you know, through social media, I share those practices hoping to impact others. So, you know, they can be the best version of themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I love your routine. I saw that you posted it online and and I can tell it is really much focused on on not just not just the fitness aspect, but very much intentionally focused on the recovery. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's really huge because we've said over and over here in Modern Man that uh, for me, I personally believe that increasing our capacity in life is by embracing discomfort, by doing things that are hard. And I always say the word, you know, show up, right? One of my mentors, Gregory Tony, he would always tell me, hey, show up, 
And I think a lot of us as men, sometimes we kind of go back in the shadows or kind of like that, that Simpsons meme with Homer kind of going in the bushes when things, when life gets hard. But I think, you know, those are the moments that were made when things get hard. What, what I'm interested so much is really the, the mentality that goes behind when you mentioned being out of shape to jumping to a triathlon. What does that process look like when you, I guess, look in the mirror or you decide, I got to turn this thing around? That triathlon is a pretty high target where most people would be like, uh, maybe I should try this couch to 5K thing or, or start going to the gym once in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, the overarching theme is compounding consistencies. So, you know, Ironman is all about that. It's com compounding consistencies and, and purposeful practice. So to get to that point, um, you know, I think you need to build your some mental grit around whatever it is you want to achieve. Um, you want you need to understand that pretty much anyone that you aspire to be. Uh, they got there because they had tunnel vision and, you know, they understood the process and they executed on the process. And a lot of them also had mentors along the way that helped speed up the process some. So for me, um, I hired a personal trainer in my late 20s. That personal trainer helped me get into aesthetically good looking shape again, where, you know, you could see my ab muscles and you could see definition in my arms and I look good, but I signed up for a 15K, the Utica Boilermaker in like 2008, and it just absolutely wrecked me. And that was pretty eye-opening because at that point, you know, I was starting to look really fit again, but looking fit and being fit are, you know, oftentimes two very different things. So I started running again, building up my run volume. And then I found this crew that was doing these Wednesday night triathlons in Jamesville, New York. And um, I was, I really liked the bikes that my friends were getting. They had four handlebars. They looked really cool. They were really aerodynamic. They were mm -hmm. called TT bikes. So I bought one of these TT bikes and I'm like, well, I guess I got to sign up for a triathlon. So started doing these Wednesday night triathlons. And then I would, you know, signed up for my first sprint distance triathlon in a race setting. And I almost drowned in the swim. I passed a bunch of people on the bike, passed more people on the run. And it was just really empowering. And it reminded me of business where your results are directly correlated to how much purposeful practice you put in. So I kept showing up for these show up, definitely going to mm. be a common thread in our conversation. I kept showing up for these Wednesday night triathlons. And um, I would win, you know, after a year or so these these triathlons on Wednesday nights, like I was pretty getting pretty good at the sport. But whenever I showed up for a local race, this guy, Mike Corona, would beat me in all of the races. And at that point, like I looked way fitter than than he did. You know, yeah. I was defined. I had a six pack and, you know, he didn't look nearly as fit as me. And I'm like, why the hell is he beating me? I beat him every Wednesday. So <laughs> I hired him as my coach and he taught me a really, really valuable lesson that there's a big Big difference between you know exercise and training there's a big difference between going through the motions and doing mm -hmm. something with purpose and he taught me how to you know be an elite endurance athlete and for me it was slowing down and putting in more volume so he forced me to do all of my running and biking at under a 140 heart rate that allowed me to put in more volume and that allowed me to really excel at the sport you know i ended up uh, beating him by hiring him <laughs> and then ultimately you know getting to the ironman world championships in Kona twice and the half Ironman world championships four times. 
Um, but it was really through, you know, him as a mentor who understood the sport. He understood, you know, the heart rate zones to be training at, like when to do your anaerobic uh, workouts, when to do your aerobic workouts, how to structure your season, how to taper before a race, how to race a race, the nutrition. So, you know, he was my mentor that really sped up the learning process to get to where I wanted to go faster than if I just kept banging my head into a wall doing what I was doing. You know, maybe I would have gotten there on my own, but it would have, would have taken a lot longer. And I probably would have gotten hurt because I was doing everything at too high of an intensity to get really good at endurance sports. Cause I was coming from more of a CrossFit type training background, strength training and like short explosive sprints and everything I was doing was, was at a very high intensity. And that's why I would win these Wednesday night triathlons. But when the distance got longer, like I couldn't sustain that high of an effort for, you know, three plus hours. So yeah, I mean, super valuable lessons I learned in triathlon, um, you know, beyond Mike, it was, you know, you really can accomplish anything if you backtrack your way into it. For me, it was just like daily execution. I had a plan. Um, I thought like a bumblebee and trained like a racehorse, meaning, you know, I had this positive attitude that I believed I could get to Kona and, you know, a racehorse just listens to its master. It just does what it's told. And it took, you know, a good six to eight months for me to listen to Mike and not like, look at all these other plans and be like, well, that dude's really fit. Wonder what he's doing. Maybe I'll jump in on his workout. Mm -hmm. It was like, just trust your plan, execute every single day. The 10,000 hour rule. If you do that for 10,000 hours, you're going to be pretty good damn good at anything no i love that man and, and what i want to kind of extract from that for for the listeners and the viewers is is the reality of what you just said um right off the bat dropping the ego when you said hey, this guy kept beating me yeah. so i hired him as a trainer i think for most of us especially the competitive types you're like he's going to beat me i'm going to just focus on beating him but to go to the person that's above you to be humble enough to say hey man how do you do it right like hey man like what's what's the sauce you have that i don't right mm -hmm. because hey you probably put your pants on two one leg at a time like i do yeah You're not too much different so what are the systems and processes that you put in place that makes you better than me and i can yeah. admit that at this juncture but through the work through following the instructions i could at some point not necessarily just surpass you but improve myself and if that leads to surpassing you then so be it but at the very least improving myself is the goal. Uh, I love that you said about the compounding consistencies and the commitment to the process, because so many of us do that. But like Mike Tyson says, it's everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I want to talk about uh, Leadville 100 <laughs> and and how um, I wrote this question down, because it, the, the question is going to be applicable to the to this race, but I think it's applicable to life, whether it's the business, whether it's this challenge that we face. And the question you had after crashing your bike, should I race when the advice of the doctors was, was not to talk about that question, how that processed in your mind and the decision to in fact race um, when you even might've felt unprepared, how important that decision was, because so many of us have the the, the plan, we have the process, and then life gets hard, and we choose not to race. Yeah, so that was uh, 
10 days before Iron Man Lake Placid. I can't remember if it was 2013 or 2014, but you know, I'm four years into the sport at this point. I'm really fit. And, you know, I've, I've literally have been training four years to get like a top three finish at Iron Man Lake Placid to punch my my card to Kona. And I'm out on a routine training ride in Jamesville on a Puglia road. And it was a really, really hot, humid evening in, in July. And I was playing around with my bike computer because the wattage and heart rate were, were not working on it. And I had, you're down in arrow pads on your bike. And I had one arm off playing with my bike computer and my arm slipped going about 25 miles per hour on my bike. And, uh, I went off into a ditch and just rolled and skidded. I thought I lost my chin. That was what I was most concerned about because I literally slid on my chin. And, uh, you know, I get up and I'm like, all right, I don't think there's any broken bones, but, you know, my, my chin feels like it's gone. My, you know, I have road rash all over me. I have gashes on my fingers and, and my arms. And uh, so I end up going to the emergency room. It takes like five hours until I finally get into a doctor um, who, you know, does a pretty poor job of washing out the wounds and then stitches everything up for me. And then um, while I was in the emergency room with a doctor, I was asking, like, do you think I'm going to be able to swim tomorrow? Do you think I'm going to be able to run tomorrow? You know, what about biking? I have this Ironman in 10 days. I have to do it. I have to keep training leading up to it. And she's like, you're definitely not going to be able to swim. You're definitely not going to be able to run because you're going to sweat and biking. Like you tell me you're going to bike indoors in a trainer. Maybe if you put a plastic bag on your hand, you will be able to, but I doubt you're going to be up to it. And she was kind of right the next day. I was, uh, you know, from the, the having stitches and just the shock of the, the crash, my nervous system was really off, but you know, two days after I'm biking again with a plastic bag on my hand, I'm running again with a plastic bag on my hand, but swimming was an issue because I had this major gash on my finger and you'll see to this day, I can't move my finger wow. and um, I ended up three, uh, day or two, three, three days before Lake Placid, they took the stitches out, but I still had an open wound on my finger. And a couple, a couple doctors were like, you know, don't do it. You're swimming in open water. Like it could definitely get infected. And, you know, I'm like, listen, I'm doing it. I'm so fit right now. Like if, you know, as long as the race director will let me buddy tape my fingers, cause the pain was excruciating, putting any pressure on my hands. So I had to ask the race officials if I could just buddy tape my fingers to be able to swim. Um, and they said I could, so I'm like, I'm doing it. You know, I don't really care about the repercussions of, of my finger. Like this has been a goal for the last four years that I've been training for, like I am racing. And, uh, you know, I ended up being able to get through the swim on the bike, you know, you're going upwards of close to 60 miles per hour on some of these descents in Lake Placid, you know, tucked in, in this arrow position. And it was raining that year. And I had, I couldn't grip my handlebars. Like I had, all I had for grip was my thumb and this finger, like these fingers, I couldn't move them because my hand was still so swollen. So I'm literally gripping like this on my handlebars, descending at around 60 miles per hour in the rain. Um, I ended up having a great race qualifying for Kona. 
And then, you know, pre-Kona, there was worry that I was going to lose my finger because it did end up getting infected. And, uh, you know, I didn't lose my finger, but to this day, I can't bend my finger from the knuckle down. But to me, it was worth that experience of getting to Kona, racing amongst the greats. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have changed that decision for, for anything. So, yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, I put in just so much work, like no one was going to tell me no. Yeah. How did you feel at the beginning of the race and how did you feel at the end? Super nervous, anxious. Uh, you know, I mean, if this hadn't happened, like I was confident, like, you know, barring nothing going wrong, like a crash or a flat tire. Like I was so confident that I was going to get, I was qualifying for Kona. Um, yeah, I was just insanely fit at that point. And, you know, because of that crash, though, like, I had no idea how the swim was going to feel because I didn't swim at all after the injury. So I'm like, how bad is the pain going to be pulling water with this hand? Um, how is it going to be getting my wetsuit on and off? Because like any pressure, just like the lightest pressure on my finger at that time, excruciating pain. Um, and then like, how am I going to handle the bike not being able to grip my handlebars knowing the descents? But honestly, like as soon as that cannon went off and I hit the water, the adrenaline trumped everything. And like, I literally didn't think about it for, you know, that nine hours and 40 minutes of racing. Yeah, no, I love that. And you probably had so much relief at the end. And I was related so to much soccer. Yeah. <laughs> we're like with soccer where, I mean, you run the whole game and you don't realize how tired you are until yeah. you stop. And, yeah. and that happens for so many people. I mean, and not Close just state. you're in the moment. I love that. Yeah. Flow state, right? You, you, you don't pay attention to the pain in your legs or the pain in your hand because you're just going through that process. You're in the moment and probably enjoying yourself to some extent. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. There's suffering, but there's also, I think euphoria in the hard work. Um, and Eric, I looked at your routine, man. Your daily routine is, is impressive. And um, my wife and I, I remember we did 75 hard mm -hmm. and we crushed it. I remember reading our book at a football game. So I was like, what are you doing? A book report? I remember the two workouts a day um, going for weighted. I was doing weighted vest jogs in the rain. My wife was coming on bike rides with me. And like we had this little bike trail near our house. And when we started, we, there, we would get a certain distance. because So we'd go for 23 minutes and then come back. And, I, and it became a game, right? Because when we started 75 hard, we'd go like, just a little small distance. And I actually never measured it. And then we'd come back by the time we were done with 75 hard, 75 days later, Eric, we, we were dry. We were going almost, I want to say now this one I measured, it was almost like maybe five, six miles down the road and then coming back. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, how did we do that? Right. You're like over the time I saw the improvement mm -hmm. and that's, that became fun. That became enjoyable. Seeing your routine the one question is, what do you do it for, mm -hmm. right? And, and I, I know, sure, the livelihood of being an athlete, but like with the intentionality behind it, not just the recovery, not just the workout, but also the community aspect too, I could see, mm -hmm. where with the dinner and the time with friends. So what do you do it all for? 
Yeah, I mean, I figured out my perfect days. And I also have figured out like these tiny wins that make up a perfect day for me. And, you know, it took years to figure that out. I definitely didn't always have that dialed in. There were years of my life where I certainly wasn't thriving. And I very much was, you know, just working to play on the weekends. But, you know, through those Ironman years, I became really mindful of what I wanted my life to be like, because I had so much time alone with all of that training and so much mental clarity. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the term runner's high and I'm sure you've experienced it. Um, you know, with all of that exercise, there's a certain level of euphoria and focus that you get afterwards and mental clarity from the high, high volume of exercise that I was able to start realizing like, oh, okay, this is fueling the best version of myself. These are the people that are fueling the best version of me. These are the conversations I want to be having. Having. These are the environments I want to be in. These are the activities and behaviors that I want to build my day around. So, you know, it was, it didn't happen overnight. It was really like a five year period of just tremendous awareness. And, you know, the, my, my routine now is directly correlated and reflected in all of that awareness I had during those years. And, you know, exercise is a huge component of that. And everything I do, I would do regardless of whether I was able to monetize it now. And then I was doing it before I was able to monetize it. I was living out my perfect days before I ever had a brand deal. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, strength training at five days a week in a gym with really good people with really loud music playing. I loosely follow Matt Frazier's HWPO. So strength training, anaerobic conditioning, um, accessory work, gymnastics, and, you know, it's an obstacle. I, I like to think of a lot of these things as obstacles that when you overcome them and when you overcome them with others, like there's this tremendous high afterwards. And then I always also structure cognitive tasks tasks after workouts, recovery routines, because I know that that is when I'm the best version of myself. That's when I have the most mental clarity. So, you know, after that morning workout from 830 to 1030, I typically schedule about a 90 minute block of time for cognitive tasks, whether it's creating content, um, doing podcasts with people, hosting my own podcast, um, talking to business partners, um, connecting people. That's a huge part of my day is just connecting people that I think will benefit from knowing each other. Um, I eat lunch, you know, I, for me, I, I enjoy what I eat, but so much of what I eat is also to fuel physical and mental performance. So, you know, I'm, I'm cognizant of what I'm putting in my body, not from an aesthetic standpoint. I really think aesthetics are a byproduct of everything I do. Everything is more for like the, again, the, the mental performance and emotional well-being. Um, and then every day, every single day, seven days a week, I do something outside at a an aerobic zone two heart rate for 60 to 90 minutes. Um, that's if I'm not specifically training for something. If I'm training for Ironman or some kind of endurance event, obviously that's that gets ramped up. But you know, just for general lifestyle purposes, you know, I go off and mountain bike, trail run, ruck pavement run, road bike, fat tire bike, cross country ski, some kind of aerobic activity, again, outside. So I can combine it with getting in sunlight. I love being in nature, um, seven days a week. Uh, after that, again, I schedule like another 60 to 90 minute cognitive session, which like we're doing our podcast right now at two 30, my time. Um, and then at four at 3 PM, my sauna turns on, uh, it's set to about 
about 205 degrees and around 4 p.m., a crew of people every single day kind of pours through our house and um, the sauna is on for three hours and uh, there's people here doing contrast therapy with me. Um, and that's a mixture of like friends, uh, business partners, biz brands I work with, new people that reach out to me on social media. Whenever someone reaches out to me, that's what I propose. Come over, let's hit the sauna together. That's where we're going to have the best conversation. Um, so yeah, there's always like six to eight people that are rotating through here doing my contrast therapy routine, which is three rounds, 20 minutes in the sauna, five minutes in cold water in an ice barrel. Um, after that, a lot of people generally stick around for dinner. I love cooking for people. So, um, I'll smoke something on our, on our smoker, uh, and then have like a 45 minute wind down routine in the evening where I try to learn something just like watch YouTube, listen to a podcast and then hit the hay with my girlfriend, Sarah, our dog blaze and get eight hours of sleep, rinse and repeat, do it all over again. That's what I'm talking about. And I, man, that's such a great routine because, one thing I love that you said there was, you know, you did all this before you could ever monetize it. And like, I mean, that's the sauce, right? For 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 what I do now, for anybody that's that's watching it, and they might know me from my my morning gig, right? I don't say my day job. It's my I wake up at 2 a.m. every day to yeah. do the morning news. But before I was hired as a meteorologist, I was working at a law firm as a billing clerk. I had a little flip camera. Remember back in the day where like it was like a little USB camera. So I would yeah. do that and I would go out and I literally would follow storms. I would follow all this weather and I had a degree in it, but no one would hire me. So I just started my own company and I did it for free for a year and a half before I got hired. And even the podcast, something I do for free before a dollar ever comes in and it's I, I remember telling my wife the other day, like everything I do today, I started off doing for free because mm -hmm. it filled my cup. Now I'm not telling people quit their job and do something for free, but obviously I'm working my day job and I'm growing this passion on the side. But what you just mentioned right there is something that I hope a lot of guys can get because not only is it something that's fueling your soul, but I've heard the saying before and some might believe it, some might not, but life is suffering, right? But why suffer mm -hmm. alone? Right? Why suffer alone? Why go through the pain alone? So I imagine that those those sauna conversations are probably a hoot. I imagine the ice barrel is probably a great time. You have a lot of jokes, a lot of laughter. It's funny because I have one on my balcony, and I remember when I first got the ice barrel, my wife's like, "Where the hell are we gonna put this? We're in an apartment on the <laughs> second floor." And I was like, "There's just a bunch of problems to solve." Found the balcony, found the area. What's the weight load that the balcony can cover? Six thousand pounds. Oh, we're good. This thing's gonna be about seven hundred fifty pounds full. Um. I had the little gallon jug jugs to fill it up. After that, I ended up buying an adapter for the hardware store for like 14 bucks. Connects to my sink. I have a hose that goes right to it. The hose Love at the it. bottom drains right off the second story. And I even got my wife to do it. And now she's she's going to be coming home soon in the next hour or so. And she was looking at me. She's like, oh, when I get home, because she's kind of sore, she's like, oh, we should do our the sauna and then jump in the pool. And here in Charlotte, the pool is still like – uh, last I checked, it was still like 42, 43 degrees. So mm -hmm. she's like, let's let's go in the sauna, hot tub, and then hop in the pool. So she's doing the contrast therapy. Love it. Awesome to have a partner to do that with. But what you just said there, it definitely fuels the body. And I, I encourage a lot of people and a lot of guys that might be listening who might be out of whack with their routine to kind of find what fuels them and then find the community uh, around it. And it sounds like that's that's been huge. And if ever I'm in Colorado, you're you're in Colorado, correct? 
Yeah, just outside Denver. All right, just outside Denver. If ever I'm in the neck of the woods, man, I might give you a call, see if I can stop by. I won't come okay. empty-handed. I'll I'll bring a, if you drink wine, I'll bring a bottle of wine, or um, I'll I'll bring a big steak that we can cook or something. Heck but yeah. I definitely would love to to stop by. Um, yeah, and that sauna routine. I mean, it's so much more than the physical aspects of it. There are obviously incredible physical benefits of of the sauna. You know, not only short term but you know long term. That we're learning from continued research studies of you know decreasing all cause mortality by up to sixty percent. I mean, some of these studies are insane. But for me, you know, it's so much more about the feeling I get from it and. You know, doing it alone, I just I feel amazing. Where it just like de-stresses my my nervous system, declutters my mind, and you have this incredible energy after it. Very similar to like a post run or post workout high. Yeah. And then when you combined it with doing it with other people, it's similar to you know doing a workout with other people. Where afterwards there's this tremendous camaraderie. Where you know you just went something that was through something that was pretty hard together and. You know, you you bonded in the sauna, having these deep, vulnerable conversations. There's something about the sauna that, you know, really, really fuels vulnerability and also mental clarity for you to just have these like really deep conversations with people. And, you know, we all know that, you know, deep conversations and meaningful relationships are so important for us to be happy in life. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because my, my next question was going to kind of like jump into data. And uh, one thing I, I really enjoy about your content, because there's a lot of people who are doing things and whatnot, and, and I'm guilty of this myself, of I would just go through the motions, man. Like, mm -hmm. I would just go to the gym, pick something up that's heavy. I wouldn't track anything. I wouldn't really do research. And what I found in life as I'm getting older is there are levels to things, right? Where when I started biking with my wife, we had the, you know, little bikes that, okay, $126 from Toys R Us or, or whatnot. That's great. Cool little mountain bike. But then I'm going to the bike store. I was like, why is this you so much more money? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, the shocks and, and, you know, the material of the bike, but not only that, what you mentioned, and just following your socials, your posts with the blood work that you that you're you've been doing the research, was it get blokes do, doing the, yes. the blood work with you guys? Yep. Um, the the research and getting the data, it, it's so huge because I mean the proof is in the pudding and and mm -hmm. the the numbers tell the story. Being someone who never thought I had anxiety, I got a whoop band. I found out that I had a very high resting heart rate. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Was it fast metabolism or maybe I'm holding on to internal stress and I'm carrying it differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's shaving some years off my life and I'm not even aware of it. So once I wore the whoop band, I started getting the speedometer to my life. I'm seeing my sleep is, is, is crap. Right. I'm seeing, okay, my, my training might, might be good, but it's not that effective. And when I started honing in on these numbers, when I started doing the cold water therapy, breath work, sauna, my wife even mentioned something not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. She's like, you seem more balanced, kind of like with my emotions being regulated, handling challenges a little better. And I haven't done that research to say, this is why. But for me, kind of like what you mentioned before, this helps fuel me. When I wake up in the morning, I come home from an eight hour shift. I get home. 11 30 12 o'clock every day my routine is breath work journal reflection um a shower really quick hop in the cold plunge in the ice barrel i'll sit there for three to five minutes uh 
and then I'll wait a little bit. I'll sometimes do a workout. I like to cold plunge before my workout because mm-hmm. I know that if I do it right after my workout, I might kind of undo the gains um, mm-hmm. from that. I don't know if that's the best practice, but that's kind of how I kind of landed after some of my research. But talk about the importance of the data. And when you talked about the compounding consistencies and the process and the plans, a lot of us ignore the numbers and we just go through the motions, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, going back to the triathlon years, you know, I I was exercising at a high level and I thought I was doing everything right because I was doing the the appropriate movements, but I wasn't doing them at the appropriate intensity or duration. So, you know, that that was a really eye-opening moment for me of, again, there's a big difference between you know, going through the motions and, you know, doing something with purposeful practice. And, you know, this kind of goes back to the mentor thing. It's you're always going to get to where you want to go faster if you can follow in someone's foot tracks who has already achieved what you want to achieve. So if you want to build a hundred million dollar company, you know, find someone who's built a hundred million dollar company and, you know, buddy up with them and, you know, obviously try to bring them value. So they'll share their wisdom and value with you. But it's likely that they figured out things along the way that are gonna that are gonna you know help fast track you to to get there. Um, and you know, again, these things are all just like daily execution and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. You know, is it getting you closer to where you want to go on an incremental basis? And you know, the data plays an important aspect in, in that. You know, we'll, we'll talk the athletic side of it. Like for me. I was running at about a 8.30 pace at a 140 heart rate in 2010. Um, But I was doing a lot of my runs in the 6.30 to 7-minute range, but it was at almost a max heart rate. So I could only do that for, you know, upwards of five to six miles. And then it was just at too high of an intensity for me to continue. So by backing off on the intensity, it allowed me to increase the duration of my runs and also increase the frequency of my runs. And fast forward four years to 2014, I could run 20 plus miles at a 630 pace at a 129 heart rate. And it was all from the purposeful practice. I could have continued running the same way I was running fast, burning calories, probably would have looked very similar, but the underlying performance was vastly different in following, you know, the correct protocol to get me to where I wanted to go combined compared to not following the the correct protocol. Um, And that's true with everything in in life. Um, You know, building a business, like you could be doing all, you could be, two people could both work eight hour days, five days a week. And one person is going to come out way further ahead because they're following a certain protocol and they're maximizing their time. And they're, they figured out how to maximize purpose to to get them to where they want to go. And then as far as like the whoop data, all of that stuff, like, I think it's incredible incredible data to understand blood work is incredible. I mean, so many of us have no idea what is going on under our hood. And, you know, we're supplementing with all of these things because it's marketed to us. We're, you know, told all these different diets work and we have no idea if it's the right one for us. We're so bio individual. So I do think blood work is so important. So like you can actually understand what you're deficient in and it may not be, you may not need all the supplements you're taking. It may be that you're not getting enough 
sleep. That's screwing up your testosterone. You're not lifting heavy weights. You're only doing, you know, cardio on a treadmill that could screw up your testosterone. So, you know, I think it's a great place to start to get your blood work. So you understand how to fix various things that are going on internally with your, with your hormones. And then, you know, like whoop data, your HRV, your resting heart rate. Um, I think all of that is super important to under sleep is super important to understand, you know, how many hours of sleep are you getting? How much deep sleep are you getting? And, you know, I think ultimately how many steps you're taking per day. I think ultimately all of these things just make us aware and mindful of, um, doing things that are going to increase our lifespan and health span, doing things that are going to make us the best version of ourselves. So I love the data in that sense, but you know, also I, I think it's easy too to get caught up with comparison, to get caught up with, you know, the, the data and sometimes forget about feeling based evidence. Like we're all our own scientists and so much of the things I do were just from self-experimentation. Um, you know, the, my, my sauna and cold plunge routine kind of came from self-experimentation of like, this works really well for me. My exercise mix works really well for me. The people I train with, I enjoy being around that. Like it was all self-experimentation. It wasn't someone really dictating a lot of those things. So, you know, I, I think, you know, you are your own scientist and it's important to see what works for you and having the data to, you know, back it up and understand why it's working for you. Absolutely. And I love that taking the responsibility for what's under our hood, because um, a really good friend of mine, um, Dr. Dr. Raymond Nichols, um, he had this whole mantra and he, he still has, and I love it. He's, you know, your health is your responsibility. And mm -hmm. we have a whole bunch of physicians, a whole bunch of experts and a whole bunch of trainers and a whole bunch of other avenues to help us and aid us in that. But at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves. And when it comes to data, the way I see it, I always compare it to the car. We always compare our bodies. Oh, this is a great vehicle. But we also have a speedometer. We also have a check engine light. We have the tire pressure sensors, right? If if our car is is that Corvette, if that our car is that Ferrari, yeah, we might know we're driving fast, but the speedometer tells us how fast, right? Mm -hmm. We might feel like the tire's a little low, but our, our tire pressure sensor tells us how low. And that's mm -hmm. what I found for the whoop. And that's what I, I'm excited to get into, into blood work. I actually was doing research on some, some uh, offices to do blood work, to get my testosterone levels, because as I'm learning this, as I'm getting through the process, it's like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And it's mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing because it, it's an excite, it's an excitement, right? There's so mm -hmm. much out there. And um, as we're coming towards the, the back end, I would love to maybe see if we could give some practical steps for some of our listeners and maybe increasing their cardiovascular health, it, it health maybe increasing their endurance or whatnot. Because yesterday, I wrote up a leg workout for me and my friends uh, about a month or so ago, and we've been doing it. And the, the I guess, the reputation of the workout is, quite frankly, it sucks, <laughs> which I, I like, I feel good about. And um, let me pull it up really quick from the data that we did. I think my max heart rate was 181, uh, 839 calories. And it was over the course of, of an hour and 20 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. But it starts and ends with a run. And mm -hmm. it's a short run. It's only like a quarter mile. Um, my heart rate spikes when I run. I'm not good at running. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this on the podcast, and I hope I don't regret it. I want to run more. 
it, like in the back, it's been itching in the back of my head. Um, you know, like I said, I look at other people, they put their pants on one leg at a time as I, like, just like me. Um, I remember the last time I ran and actually timed my mile, Eric all out, it was seven minutes. And mm-hmm. I, I love it when people say it's not a marathon, it's a sprint. I'm like, I mean, these marathon <laughs> runners are running like six minute miles. Like that's, that sounds like a sprint to me. So yeah. let's say someone's like me and whether let's say starting with the 5k or honestly a half marathon, right? Let's say I want to run 13 miles. What would you recommend for somebody like me who wants to maybe start that process over the maybe five, six months of increasing my capacity and my endurance to run that long, that far? Yeah. So running is very sports specific. I mean, you're obviously a very, very fit person running the way to get better at running is running a lot and frequency and consistency are really the equations to build, you know, an aerobic engine and and build the durability necessary to get your heart rate down and running. So my recommendation is starting off uh, a zone two heart rate. So monitoring your heart rate, running it, like depending on your max heart rate, my max heart rate is around 175. I typically am doing my runs around a 130 to 140 heart rate. That's my zone two. You know, you having a max heart rate closer to 190, you might be closer to a 145 to 150 heart rate for your zone two. Um, and then, you know, starting with a, a mile and running it at that heart rate, and it's going to be slow. You might be at a 14 minute mile, you know, you have to check your ego with this stuff, but by, by doing it frequently, you will over time will be able to get your heart rate down and run further and run faster. So my recommendation is, you know, if you've never run before, you know, starting with a half mile, a mile, maybe every other day, if you're sore from that run. And then as you're able to build the run durability, running upwards of five to six times per week. And, but again, not at a high intensity, you know, all of these runs should be at a zone two heart rate and, you know, steadily building volume, just like you would steadily build weight to back squat more, bench press more. Um, so, you know, if you're running one mile day one, two miles day three, three miles day five, you know, maybe the next week you up each of those by a half mile and just continually, you know, keep doing that until you can run five to six days per week. And until you can run upwards of, you know, 10 miles in one session, if you want to do a half marathon, that may take you four or five months to get there. Um, um, you know, again, like my journey has been 14 years in the making of habit stacking. So, you know, for someone to compare themselves to me, if they're just getting started, like my routine is going to be, you know, way far reaching for someone be- because they're, you know, they're, they're 14 years behind. I, I started somewhere too. You know, I, I also was like you where, you know, I wasn't that into running after my college party days and my first business of sitting in a car 50,000 miles a year. Um, so, you know, it, and I do like picking exercises, the first component of the food pyramid. I think that, um, that gave me the most bang for my buck, like getting exercise down, getting that structured into your routine 
is likely going to lead to, you know, more positive uh, eating behaviors, better sleep, um, and then, you know, a, a more positive outlook on life, probably a different friend group, um, different activities that you're going to be interested in doing. So that that was the the top of the food pyramid for me was getting exercise dialed in. And, you know, that was a several year period of having a personal trainer to get to a point where I didn't need the accountability anymore. I didn't need the motivation. I didn't need to pay someone to enlighten me on how I should train, you know, and then the year after that, I focused on various diets, you know, what worked for me. And then the year after that, I, fi I figured out how to get, you know, eight hours of sleep every single night. And the year after that, I figured out my contrast therapy routine. And like, it was just like year after year of picking one thing to conquer. And again, I think that's important for people to realize if they are looking up to someone on social media and see them living a certain life and their routine, like that person likely has, you know, 10,000 hours to get to where they are. And you need to figure out like where they started and where you want to start and know that it's a journey. It's, it's, uh, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon to get to where you want to go with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love one of my, the best advice my, my friend gave me. He said, Ted, it's a process. It, yeah. it's, it's a process and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But if you stick to the process, you will get there. What has these past 14 years, what is this journey? Um, cause I, I love books because I do believe there have been so many people on this earth. And when someone takes the time to put their experience in a book, uh, they, they obviously feel like it's worth sharing. And because of that, I think it's worth consuming. Um, if their experience is relative to the journey that you're on. So, I'm interested to know what lesson uh, ha have these past 15 years, and I know life is still life is still going, right? There's still more lessons to learn, but reflecting on these, like you mentioned, these past 14 years as you did the habit stacking, as you as you've built yourself into the Eric you are today, mm -hmm. what's a lesson that you can maybe give to some of our viewers who might be on their chapter two, three, four, or or still working on their stacking that that could maybe help them a little bit along the way. Yeah, I mean, the thing that helped me the most was writing out those tiny wins that I have, like understanding how I wanted to structure my day um, so that I just was super present with everything I was doing, super present with the people I was around, super present with the environment I was in, um, and you know, never wishing I was somewhere else, never wishing I was doing something else, never wishing I was with someone else. And again, this took a while to like really dial this in, but yeah, I've really gotten to a point where, you know, my days are very structured around those tiny wins. And, you know, there is variety within it, though, you know, it's different people coming in and out, it's different places where I'm playing outside, and it's different workouts every day, but the structure remains the same, because I figured out that, you know, that has allowed me to thrive and, and be the best version of myself, and also attract opportunities into my life. Um, a really cool thing that we did, this is a cool action item, in addition to like starting to write out your tiny wins, um, and also write out like the people, places, activities that bring you negative energy, where you wish you were somewhere else, you wish you were with someone else, you wish you were doing something else, like write those out too. You know, there was a period of my life where I was doing things where I just thought I was going through the motions, and I wrote those things out, or I wrote those conversations out where I didn't feel like they were deep conversations and I wasn't getting any value and I wasn't giving any value. And I also wrote out like environments, like, you know, be, being 
out late at night in bars where I'm just like, why the hell am I here? This sucks, you know, mm -hmm. and I excluded that from my life. Um, the other thing that we did at the beginning of 2022, and we just read it at the beginning of this year, um, we, we have a gratitude jar that we keep on our kitchen counter and Sarah and I, most nights, I mean, it's not every night, but many nights we write down, you know, things we were grateful for throughout the, the day. And then our friends also write things in it. And, you know, it's a really cool way to end your day of just kind of reflecting on, you know, what made it a great day. But reading that at the end of the year was super powerful and reminding, reminding us the things that we really want to build our life around. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, really simple things, you know, like we have our health and man had a great mountain bike ride today. And it was an awesome crew in the sauna, you know, very few of them were around like, I made enough money to buy a fancy watch or, you know, they weren't ego driven things. They were all just like soul fulfilling things. And it was cool to be like, oh, okay, these are the people we need to continue surrounding ourselves with. These are the activities we want to be doing every day. These are the places where we want to be. Um, so I would encourage people to start a gratitude jar, write those things, you know, know that it's a great way to end your day, but know at the end of the year, it's going to be re a reminder of how you want to design your life so that you just, you're thriving day in and day out. Yeah, I love that because it it, it goes back to the data. Right. We, yeah. we can get the data in the one aspect, sure, of our our, our, our levels, our heart rate, our, our our blood work, but also the energy that we feel day in and day out. And I used to mention this in terms of a comparison to an ATM, where there are some relationships we have where they're just withdrawals. There's mm -hmm. other relationships we have that are deposits. And if we're always just honing in on these relationships that are withdrawals, eventually we're going to run empty. And when we run empty, we end up being resentful towards those people that withdraw from us, mm -hmm. really to no fault of their own, because we haven't audited where our energy gets replenished and where it gets drained. We haven't paid attention to that. And that that gratitude jar, I love that because I used to do, I actually still have it here. Um, in 2021, when I got married to my wife, I would write down in the journal every day, like, I'm thankful for and something about her. And she mm -hmm. caught me writing one day. She's like, what are you writing? And I was like, you know, just like, I'm a thankful for you book. And to your point, there were little things like just a, a hug she gave me before leaving, leaving that day, which made me feel a little better. You, you get an inkling on what it is that actually matters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you sit down and do it, um, and I would, I can keep going on and on and ask more questions, but I do want to be respectful of your time and our, and our listeners time. So before I ask my last question, Eric, I want to make sure that folks can find you on social media, can, can follow some of the amazing content that, that you're sharing, because I really do think you are helping people with your journey, right? You say, Hey, this is what works for me. If it just plants a seed in someone's head to maybe go on their own journey and maybe explore their own bodies, what works for them. Um, I really think it could help someone out. So I would love for them to have a way to connect with you, follow you, and maybe even stop by for one of your saunas and that contrast. Yeah, definitely. Therapy. If you're in Denver, swing by. Uh, Instagram is the best place. It's just my name, Eric Hinman. I'm on TikTok as well, YouTube, EricHinman.com. But Instagram is the is the best place. And yeah, if you guys have any questions about this stuff, I love talking about it. So DM me. I answer all of my DMs on Instagram and uh, happy to help anyone with, with their journey, um, especially when it comes to self, self and wellness. Uh, protocols.
Yeah, absolutely. I'll have that link. I'll have those links in the show notes too. So anybody can open up the app that they're listening to or go down uh, in the show notes if you're watching on YouTube and uh, you can get directed right to the sources right there. Um, Eric, my last question, it's a heavy one, which is why I save it for, for the end. And and um, you could take a little time to answer it authentically. But um, I always ask, what is something you've seen or something that's happened in your life that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Something that I've seen that shapes the way I view the world as a man. Um, well, I think going back to our earlier conversation before we uh, we jumped on on you know the suicide rate for men being you know seventy percent of suicides are 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 males. Um, you know, that's a staggering number. And, you know, I think it's important for us to deeply connect with people and understand that everyone is, everyone is dealing with something and everyone, you know, in some way is, is hurting and they're, they've, you know, hopefully figured out ways to deal with that hurt. So, you know, for me, a huge part of my exercise routine, a huge part of my, you know, self-care routine, the sauna, the cold exposure is for mental and emotional well-being to, you know, de-stress my nervous system, to make sure that I'm not anxious, to make sure that, you know, I have these progress associated behaviors built into my life every day, because that makes me happy. So I think it's important for us as men to communicate with each other, and not be afraid to ask hard questions, knowing that there's likely people out there that have gone through what what you're going through, and someone can probably, you know, lend advice on how they've been able to get through it that hopefully you can apply to to your life. I love that, man. Eric, thank you so much. This this has been a, a phenomenal episode. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time and sharing authentically with us through throughout this uh the past 50 minutes that we've been chatting. <laughs> you bet. This was a great convo, Ted. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. And I'm just gonna wrap things up really quick because I know a lot of folks probably listen while they're driving, cleaning, or maybe on a bike ride themselves or going for a run. Keep on going, just a few more miles. We believe in you. Um, mm -hmm. But I wrote down some of the gems along the way. One, compounding consistencies and building mental grit. A lot of us can set an audacious goal, but if we don't commit ourselves to the process, we're probably gonna set ourselves up for failure, especially if we haven't put the plan into place. Putting aside our ego and looking at someone who might be better than us and find out what they can teach us, not necessarily just put a target on their back and try and take them out. Exercise versus training. How many of us are going through the motions, but not taking the intentional steps towards that goal? And I'm doing it. When the question is, should I race? If you've worked so hard towards an outcome, if you've worked so hard towards a goal and an obstacle shows up right near the finish line, are you going to let that stop you? Hopefully you'll answer just like Eric and say, yeah, what you say? No one was going to tell me no. That mm -hmm. is what you have to tap into. And then feeling the best version of myself. I love that. A lot of us have this connection to growth. And a lot of us are probably mostly looking for what gives us fulfillment. And I encourage you to pay attention to that. Audit your energy, audit your surroundings and your community and find out what's draining you and what's filling you up and find out why you're doing what you're doing. Look under the hood. Lean into data, find out what your sleep looks like, your blood levels, find out what your sugar levels, your insulin, 
find out what is going under the hood because that might help give you the answers as to why you can't sleep at night. It might give you the answers as to why you have this ache in your shoulder that you just can't get rid of. And it's going to play wonders moving in the future. And then frequency and consistency, check your ego, habit stacking. It's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You could look at examples like Eric and others on social media. That might be their chapter 20. Don't compare it to your chapter one. Stick to the process. Take it one step at a time. And I know and I can promise that there will be growth and there will be progress. Guys, thank you so much for rocking with us all the way to the end. Eric, thank you again. And as we always say, if you got value from this, please share this with a friend. Leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. The only way to improve is by you telling us where you would like us to improve. And of course, hit subscribe so you can get a new episode each and every single week. We appreciate you guys. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day. I think we're going to do a great job.